This podcast is recorded on stolen and unceded Aboriginal land. We acknowledge the First Nations and elders of this country and we join their calls for justice. Hello, everyone. How's everyone feeling? Good? It's, it's, it's time for your lighthearted political podcast that everyone yeah. enjoys and is good. Do you remember, Tom, when we started the podcast and we were like, we want to make this a space to, you know, create hope and, and joy in the bleak <laughs> political landscape? Um, I spent a good, you know, amount of time before this episode thinking, is there like some good news story I can bring? And I came up blank. <laughs> Nothing. News-wise, this has been one of the worst, worst weeks of my life, to be really honest. Mm. Um it's yeah, it's 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 bad across the board, uh, and you know that's even coming from our very um, uh, pronounced positions of privilege. But we still feel yeah. fucking bummed. No doubt, people can guess what we're going to be talking about for the bulk of the episode. We are not going to be weighing into in any serious depth the situation in Israel Palestine, even though that has obviously dominated the news over the past week and is a truly horrific, god awful. Um, absolute shit show of a situation Mm -hmm. um it has been so heartbreaking to see what's been happening in that part of the world and um jesus what can one say and the ramifications here like just spreading you know across the world as well like just the yeah the heartbreak and the anger and yeah (laughs) yeah it's been it's been horrific and our solidarity and love goes to all victims of violence, including, you know, absolutely within the Jewish community that, you know, spiked increases of anti-Semitism, the innocent victims in Israel that were targets of those war crimes committed by Hamas and the response we've seen from the Israeli state, including, as we record this, a threatened ground invasion of Gaza, the committing of further war crimes. Solidarity to all the people trying to explain the situation and provide a level of context uh, mm. to that situation and being hounded down and demonized across the media on a regular basis. Solidarity yeah. and love to people trying to de- to implement their democratic and political rights and protest in solidarity with an oppressed people, the Palestinian people, and once again having the force of the state and the media come down on them. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad that the protest is going ahead today in Sydney in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Solidarity to our New South Wales Greens comrades who played a big role in organising these these rallies. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, free Palestine. Free, free Palestine. Just, I think just briefly. To be clear, and again, free Palestine. Yeah. Um, uh, we will return to this story in, in coming weeks, I I'm sure. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Adam yeah. Bant, leader of the Greens, did tweet um, at the start of the week, the Greens condemn the horrific tax on civilians. We condemn the occupation. It's time for a just and lasting peace. To achieve peace, the occupation of Palestine must end. He later tweeted, this is all deeply painful time for Palestinian and Jewish communities, many of whom who are watching these atrocities with fears for the lives of their loved ones. Mm-hmm. We must meet this moment with humanity. We cannot allow the, moment, the movement for justice and peace to be compromised by hate. Anti-Semitism and Islamophobia are completely inexcusable. I condemn any move to weaponize this moment of immense suffering to advance an agenda of bigotry. For there to be a lasting peace, there must be an end to the state of Israel's illegal occupation of the Palestinian territories and the occupation. I think that's pretty well said. Well, Max chandler Mate also had a thread which sort of also recounted some of the history in yeah, regards to... Yeah, I thought his, his statement was quite good. I found that yeah. helpful to kind of orient myself in a way. Sure. We might include that in the show notes too. But mm. yes, love and solidarity to everyone ever, all the time, always. <laughs> Solidarity forever. 
Funny stuff. Funny start of the show. What? Let's tell the good people what they're listening to, Emerald. It's Serious Danger, podcast about green politics in Australia, not an official Greens Party podcast, made possible with the help of the Green Institute and produced by Michael the Griff Griffin. And this week, yeah, we're going to talk about the referendum, the voice or lack thereof in the Constitution. Uh, maybe just before we get started, uh, it is a fucking rough time and particularly for mob if you you know, feel like you need someone to talk to, recommend getting in touch with the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Crisis Support Line 13 YARN, so it's 139276. Um, and feel free to just maybe, you know, feel free to skip the episode or pause, take a break. <laughs> like, honestly, I think we went back and forth a little bit about whether to do an episode following the kind of calls for a week of silence, which... Mm. Maybe, you know, we'll we'll touch on a bit more. Um, but I guess we, you know, we promised an episode and maybe it's helpful for some people to just kind of sit and talk through. For some people that might not be helpful. Uh, yes. I mean, this feels inappropriate, but a bit of housekeeping. We, we do want to say thank you to the patrons oh. who've got on board in the past week. We've got a serious danger. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash serious danger. You briefly. Thank you to Ollie, Maria, Daniel, Anthony, Spell, Melissa, Carol. Uh, we did release a Patreon episode this week talking about the ethics of going on holidays, which was a great oh, conversation. This feels, I, feel, I feel embarrassed. <laughs> Weird plug. We did a lot going on. Um, anyway, you can always support the show if you so wish. If you don't want to, that's fine. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so we're calling South Australia has voted no, and, of course, with three states voting no, the referendum is defeated as well whatever happens in Queensland and Western Australia. So there it is. Anthony Green has called it at 7.24pm. The Indigenous Voice referendum has been defeated. Australia has voted no to enshrining an Indigenous voice in the Constitution after this long-running campaign that really began with the Uluru Statement from the Heart. This was the request from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people six years ago at the Uluru Dialogues when they issued the Uluru Statement from the Heart. Okay. Goddamn. So what were you doing last night? How did it all go down for you? Um, this, this is the fucking bizarre version of our post-election episode, by the way. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> uh, I was not driving home laughing. No. Not at all. I was just at home. I, you know was cooking dinner and keeping an eye on the news as the results rolled in and they rolled in extremely quickly. I saw the alert. Uh, and to be honest, I kind of tried to just look away <laughs> for the night and caught myself up this morning. Were you at any, like, were you at a yes event? No, I I was at my boyfriend's Melbourne Fringe show was on oh. and I thought, oh, maybe at Trades Hall in the city, um, because the Victorian Union's movement was was campaigning very hard for yes, maybe they'd be having an event at Trades, mm -hmm. even though Fringe is on. Maybe they'd put something aside. And I received the message that no, uh, elders and indeed the entire movement were like, we we're really worried about this, and we think that that could be the most depressing event of all time. So there was no sort of you know watch party specifically. Um, I did see my boyfriend. My boyfriend is a waka waka guy. He was there. He's, there were other First Nations castmates. His mum was there as well. And so the show was at six. We watched the show and then we went out to pub for dinner. Um, and, yes, even by the time we pretty much got to dinner, you know, the ABC called it. Mm. Um, I saw 
just have one of these moments. And I feel like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the correct leftist response to these things and picking through our emotions and what does this mean and yada, yada, yada. But like just a few moments of like absolute rage. I saw a an, an older woman, her son was on his phone. He looked up, he said, they've called it, it's a no. And she broke out into a smile and gave a double thumbs up. And I just, I just, I cannot understand what's going on what in that you, person's Yeah, what mind. have you just gained? What, yeah. What does that mean for you personally? Why are you so happy? And why can't you give a um, skerrick of consideration for what this means for other people, particularly when those people include the most marginalised community in our uh, society? I don't know. I just had a I had a very uncharitable series of thoughts seeing that. It was, it was a real yeah. fucking bummer. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these people would say that they think this, that somehow the no was a poor result for Aboriginal people and they care about Aboriginal people. Um, you know, I, I mean, it was interesting. I she was not a progressive no voter. I've got, I've got to take, no. <laughs> take it wild. But even the, the, dark. the, the conservative no sure, is, sure, takes sure. that of line. That, of course, you know, everyone has to say that basically. No, it's because I care about Aboriginal people, our yeah. Indigenous people, as these people like to say, our Indigenous Australians. I don't even see Indigenous people, you know. I think yeah, I don't Australians. see colour. I don't see mm. colour. Um, WA, people in WA were still lining up to vote. Yeah, as Jesus. it was announced, um, which is, that's quite bleak, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel, I'm sure you would feel a little bit insignificant, wouldn't you? Like, yeah. But I, I don't know. Um, the, so, yeah, what's the current, what's the, the count sitting at at the moment? The latest, as at the time of recording, I think it's 75% counted and we have basically mm-hmm. a 60 40 split. Now, again, uh, ABC, um, and what's his face? The poll guy on Insiders was saying these numbers will change a fair bit, but you know that's mm-hmm. probably vaguely in the ballpark. It's sort of too early to determine which polls were the most accurate, but um, overwhelmingly it is. Yeah, it is. It is a, a thumping victory for No. Mm-hmm. It is an unequivocal sixty forty in No's favour. And the extraordinary thing, really, is that all six states voted No. The only yes. place to vote Yes is the Basically. Australian Capital Territory. Um, in the Northern Territory, again, in this breakdown on Insiders I caught just before we started, urban centres of Northern Territory voting no, overwhelmingly remote communities and um, Indigenous mm. communities voting yes. Which is an interesting reversal of other states, right, where the inner city has right. voted more yes and yep. the regions have voted no. Um, I'm, I'm curious, do we have figures on turnout? Um, I haven't seen anything to that effect I'm yet, no. I'm really interested to see turnout and how low it is. Um, I'm even curious, you know, I would be some, not that it really will make enough of a difference, but I'm curious to know whether the pre-poll votes, if, like if they're still being counted, if they would swing more yes, if people who were keen for change would get in early and, right. and vote. But I don't know, but yes, like it's clearly it's clearly a no. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the turnout is higher than normal. Based on pre-poll, okay, so you had, about six, you had about 6 million people voting pre-poll uh, and on, on, the, on the day before, on Friday, the day before the actual referendum day, I think they had about a million people cast their vote, vote on that one day and that is the highest day of pre-poll voting in Australian history. It's interesting. Yeah, but were the days before that consistently high? I think it's a huge amount of people who came through pre-poll, yeah. Hmm, I wonder why, yeah, I, I still, I find it surprising if the turnout was as high as a regular election. Like so yesterday I I went and saw my brother mm. um who lives out near Logan and like we just went to visit him and my nephew 
and he had no idea that the referendum was on. He's like, oh, yeah, I knew it was was coming up. I drove him to go vote. Convinced him to vote yes, by the way. He was considering no. Um, Hang are you telling me your brother doesn't listen to this fucking podcast? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, neither does my brother, but I don't know why she also No, to. my brother does not listen to this podcast. I'm, okay. I'm quite certain of that. Um, <laughs> it was an interesting conversation with him, though, where he was, yeah, had been considering no. Um, ultimately told me that he went in to vote yes, but clearly wasn't enough. <laughs> why Why was he flirting with no? What was his reasons? There are a few. He is, I would characterize him as like extremely anti-poll. Um, yep. And extremely critical of yeah government and establishment. It was the sort of it won't do. It, I mean, it was simultaneously. Well, I don't think this is the answer. It won't do enough, but mm. also slippery slope kind of arguments about what this could pave the way for. Interestingly, yeah. So it sounded like really his concern was around native title stuff, and as I'm sure we'll talk about, that was really a lot of the no campaign pulled in stuff about native title and, and you know, reparations and land and everything as though that was part of this vote, which it it wasn't. But the the critiques of of native title I think are interesting. He was talking about, you know, like Aboriginal corporations that maybe exclude some traditional owners uh, and make claims that may not be necessarily always on a, a, you know, on a basis of representing all of the cultural interests of traditional owners in the area, talking about he he was talking about mining claims um, being shut down and, you know, that affecting the, the community and the town. Um, but it was just this kind of like mishmash of I have a bad feeling about it. I think he even said, you know, I just don't feel good about it. And so, but yeah, he said, he actually said, he's like, I just kind of have a bad feeling about it. And purely on that basis was vibes, entertaining vibes. a no. He was like, I've got a bad vibe about it. Um, <laughs> and since, you know, as a white guy, I mean, his son is Aboriginal, interestingly. Right. Yep. Um, but yeah, he was, it's probably like for him, what's, what's in a yes vote. But I, you know, I, I said to him, well, maybe yes, isn't there isn't any significant benefit for you, but what's what's the benefit in a, in a no? Like there's damage in a no vote. There's no harm mm. in a yes vote. Mm. So anyway. Well, thanks for doing the Lord's work. I called a, an Changed elderly relative who I should have called earlier. Yeah. And I didn't actually ask her how she voted. I was like, have you voted yet? She said, yep, all done with pre-poll. I was like, oh, like with the postal service. I was like, okay. Anyway. Anyway, how are you? Maybe, maybe we should have done more. Yes. Click. <laughs> I would love to catch up. <laughs> oh, God. Um, mm. Should we de- burrow down a little bit more into this? I mean, uh, yes, by electorate. So, again, yeah. wall to wall, six, six out of six states voting no. I, again, I am. maybe it's my Victorian bias. I, I'm really surprised the Victoria voted no. But, again, yeah, that well, urban-rural split might help to explain that. At least your state didn't vote. Fucking like seventy percent, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happened to Greensland there? Well, really yeah. Not All of the through. green seats <laughs> did. Like, so the only electorates that voted yes in Queensland were Griffith, Brisbane, and Ryan. What yep. a fucking surprise! Um, I think. I mean, without spending too much time on party politicizing it, all of the Greens electorates did um, vote yes, and mm. I know there was a bit of. Like in the week leading up to this, Labor in Queensland in particular, I don't know if they were doing this elsewhere, were kind of publicly like um, Leanne Enoch in Queensland Parliament stood up and had a go at 
Max Chandler Mather for running training workshops while the yes, you know, while he should have been campaigning for yes, um, wrote a letter to him. She yeah, spoke about that and said the Greens weren't doing enough to support the, vo- the voice. Max said that at the time that she sent him that letter, he was on a pre-poll booth handing yeah, out the Jesus. yes. Um, Greens officers organised booth captains or, you know, organisers for the, for the yes campaign. A lot of Green staff were doing that even in a volunteer capacity, organising for yes. Um, and so, yeah, I think the it kind of um, I think became less potent in the final couple of months of, of the campaign. But that thing of for a while that it seemed like Labor were going to try and use this as a wedge to say that, you know, to try and take back some votes from from the Greens by saying the Greens didn't support the voice or, you know, if, if the voice doesn't succeed, it's it's the Greens' fault. I mean, yeah, I don't think that that's true. That's that's very silly, yes. Uh, the highest yes vote was in Adam's seat and then Albo's, Tanya Plibersek. 78% in Melbourne. Three. That's yeah. pretty, that's resounding. So yeah. There you go. Um, uh, you've got here high yes vote among higher education and incomes. Do we that's have some the take so far. Stuff? Yeah, oh, okay, so, right. um, well, that's, I guess, experts, what do you call them, you know, demographic. Expert. What's the word that I'm? What are those people? Sophologists. No, not sophologists. Not elections, yeah. but like people who study the kind of the pop or the population. Anyway, demographers. Demographers. That's mm. what I was looking for. Uh, yeah. Say that the the higher it's, yes. It's still pretty cool that I knew the word sophologist, though. Can we just acknowledge that? And yeah, what letters that start with? P. Yes. Um, well done. You See, win. I'm higher educated. That's why I voted yes. And that's why you voted yes. Yeah. Apparently, well, there was a bit of, so like the commentary is like, yes, uh, higher educated areas tend to have a higher yes vote. And also, I mean, higher income, which obviously often comes with higher educated, but kind of the idea that people who were struggling more with cost of living pressures might've been less likely to support something that didn't offer immediate hip pocket relief. Mm. Um, I guess, you know, we don't really know. It's one of those things. Everyone will fucking speculate about why people did what they did. I did think it was interesting that, yeah, the the highest no vote was Maranoa in Queensland. Mm. That's like a West kind of, it's like a rural seat. Um, very That's conservative. Little Proud's seat, the, the um, leader of the Nationals. And fuck me dead, I heard a grab of this cunt. Mm. At a poll, at pre-poll, like at the polling booth on the day of the referendum, giving a quote to the media talking about how we've got to listen to elders, that's how you get better income, better outcomes, like literally doing a pitch on the day that he is out there lead, being a leading no voice, yeah. giving a quote to the media saying what we need to do is listen and empower Indigenous communities. That is how we address Indigenous listen. advantage. What yeah. a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, 84% no so far in Maranoa. I thought it was interesting that Maranoa was apparently also the electorate with the highest no vote to same-sex uh, marriage plebiscite. Right. Only 50, so 56% no, because obviously broadly that plebiscite succeeded and there was a higher yes vote across the country. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it it does, it kind of makes you, uh, uh, I don't know, the way that these things track across electorates and, and over time, it's like, it's just interesting that that's so consistent. Well, yeah, sure, it makes sense. You know, it's a conservative, conservative seat. I know, but that's sort of that's kind of what I mean. It's like we can bend bend over backwards, being like, oh, it's the cost of living crisis, it's interest rates, it's you know this particular uh, political zeitgeist that's created this, or is it just like actually a bit simpler than that? It's like 
that area is quite conservative. Like why are we doing a podcast? It's pretty simple. <laughs> well, okay, I've got to take issue with that. I don't think that's that's true. Maybe that's a good way to lead into the next, yes, the next section, which is, okay, why why did this happen? Why why did we get here? And obviously there'll be lots of analysis and as we have more data, we'll get a clearer picture of what's going on. But I think it's important to say a few things. And this is not cope, although it probably is as well. But <laughs> This is not cope. Famously, not yeah, cope. things that aren't cope always start with <laughs> the people saying, this is not cope. <laughs> I'm not racist, but, and this is not code. Mm. Um, you know, I mentioned briefly that I, I did this show about the history of referenda and, and sort of looked into it. So once again, the eight times that we've had a successful referenda in this country out of the now 45 attempts that we've had, yeah. all those eight attempts had bipartisan support. Mm. They were overwhelmingly proposed by conservative governments. Labor's only successfully changed the constitution once. They've tried to do it 26 times now and they've only done the it Labor once. success? The only one was in 1946 on the social services referendum when Ben Chifley got the Commonwealth power to oh, okay. do welfare stuff. Yeah. Very rarely did they have they had the backing of the um of the Liberal Party after they got this fucking amendment to the proposal, which meant basically means that we can't have a national health service in this country. Like yeah. Menzies specifically got that in and also took out dental services. So so that's that's the heart of all our, our problems right. in when it regards to Medicare and, uh, and dental services. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And also of those eight, eight changes, they were not they were not radical in any serious way. They weren't a massive change. I'm not saying the voice was a radical proposal, but in terms of yeah. the status quo, it is a substantial change to how our government operates. Is it for well, in, at least at least it could be painted as such. Perhaps that's a better way of putting it. Mm. Four of the successful proposals were basically reaffirming the status quo. Mm-hmm. And basically, is there if there has ever been a serious no campaign put up against a proposal? That it's referendum has failed, right? Yeah. So, so really, you know, and now leading into this referendum, the yes campaign and proponents of the voice were saying so much has changed. History is not a good indicator of repeated success, and you know we can make our own history. We can do that. Even once we lost bipartisan support at the start of the year from the conservative forces in this government, in this country, and I guess now with the benefit of incredible hindsight. Perhaps you know that was that was just way too much to hope for. That was just completely unrealistic based on the the overwhelming historical record. In fact, some people like Gary Foley, who who was certainly a, a huge critic of the Voice and basically called for a progressive no vote, he was sort of saying things have gotten worse. Things have gotten far worse on the race question than things were in say 1967. He would argue that we've had you know uh, 40, 50 years of culture war and history war. And the division that can be uh, misinformation that can be spread through social media that actually makes things worse. And of course, the social fabric has been torn apart by neoliberalism and the um, resentment that some people feel towards um, racial minorities, including First Nations people, has only gotten worse as their living standards have either have, have plateaued or, or declined. You know. Hmm. So I don't know if that makes anyone feel any better, but I guess it's just it's just important, I think, to put it in that historical context. The extraordinary thing would be for the yes, yes. campaign to have won. That would be yeah. that would be in, that would be remarkable in 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 a very incredible way, really. Yeah. What do you think about? I mean, I saw Professor Toomey, Professor Anne Toomey, was saying that basically this will be there will be no more referenda after this. Uh, no government will try again because they will see that it's just not worth it it's too hard and in particular that this is like there's no chance for a republic now uh, I think this was in the ABC she was saying 
The people who don't want a republic have been very deliberately opposing the voice referendum because they see that if they can knock off that, that will damage the possibility of a republic in the future. Killing off the voice is a way of killing off the republic. I thought that was an interesting take. Certainly. I mean, yeah, it doesn't help the case of changing the constitution or if any other change does get up, it will be almost meaningless to me. I mean, the again, the changes that will be made will be so uncontroversial and insignificant that they won't. It, I don't know, it'd be hard for, for anyone to get particularly excited about them either way, really, the, the only kind of proposals that we put out there. Now, I do think there is a change. There is, there is something else in the question when we come to a proposed constitutional change that would actually affect all Australians mm. as opposed to what we had this time around, yes, which was this extremely true. unfortunate and focused proposal that was being advocated for. I mean, many people said this will be better for everyone, but okay, but like the majority of the conversation was around why this is important for First Nations people, why the First Nations community need this and deserve this. And that's where, you know, the huge amount of the conversation took place. And as lots of people pointed out, you had 97% of the country who were non-Indigenous um, weighing in, debating, considering this 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 proposal, which was for the benefit of a, a very small group of people in the First Nations people. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think like I – it's a very there's a very clear anti-politics analysis of what has happened with this mm. referendum and it's an interesting you know i i was thinking about the way that people vote in a general election and voting on you know they vote on in theory a group of policies um and the people who are bringing forth those policies and i think perhaps a lot of the reason that we see people becoming less tied to their party choice or becoming less interested in general in voting for for politicians is because yeah they they don't believe that those policies have any connection to them in particular and the struggles mm. that they're facing and similarly i i think yes the vast majority of white australia would see that this uh that an indigenous voice to parliament is nothing to do with them and so they have no interest in voting for it i mean i was i was thinking that if if Australians had a choice, like if Australians had a no, a no option on the ballot paper at a general election, they'd probably choose it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> if they had, uh, and maybe for people who are Greens members who listen to these podcasts would know, in our elections we have a an option, and in internal elections, a seek further candidate mm. option on the ballot paper, or colloquially mm. referred to as seek. If that that's effectively a no vote to all of the the candidates who are on the ballot paper, if we had that, yeah, at our elections, I think Seek would be voted would <laughs> would get a high vote. Would be prime minister. Yes, prime minister yeah. Seek. Because people are like, none of these people and none of these policies have anything to do with me. Uh, or even if they do, they won't they won't materially improve my life, um, mm. and I don't want any of it. And Yes, we, we've increasingly seen that in, I think, the patterns, the shifts away from the, from the major parties and the kind of protest and anti-political vote and in the way that Australia has voted no to the Indigenous voice in the referendum. Now, have, I mean, yes, that, that's a very good good point and I think speaks to the, the other reaction which I'm seeing from lots of people. And, look, people are just angry and fucking defeated and depressed and, as I say, this week has been absolute dog shit and 
for a lot of people, especially First Nations people, especially First Nations people fronting the Yes campaign, right? Yeah. Like working their fucking guts out, fighting it, not to speak of the elders and the decades and decades of political fight and struggle that have brought us to this point. Obviously for those people, this is uh, this is an absolute uh, 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 horrific blow. Lots of non-Indigenous allies who are also, you know, really strongly invested in Yes for, for lots of lots of various reasons because they really believed in it because they have First Nations people in their lives because they want the country to be better, also feeling defeated. But you are seeing across left social media an outpouring of, fuck this country, this country is racist, mm. this is backwards, I'm so ashamed, et cetera, et cetera. And I think I should, yes, I do, just to be very clear, you know, what I just said in terms of this being reflective of like a broader anti-political mood. That's mm. not to say that it's not also racism. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and to be yes. clear. And we will never be able to determine, even with uh, mm. exit, exit polling and data, we'll never be able to say it was 40% racism in that mm. vote. But what, you know, I think it is important to say that, I mean, I certainly do not accept the notion that 60% of Australian voters are irredeemably racist interesting, and want worse things for First Nations people. Mm. If I believe that, I wouldn't be a socialist. I wouldn't bother with politics. I'd fucking give up. Yes. Okay. I don't, yes, irredeemably racist, sure, like maybe not. I think racist in some way, probably. I, I mean, maybe, I don't know if we've had this conversation before, but it's like I think, yes, in a, in a racist system, a lot of people will have a bit of racism in them. Mm. That's, but yes, not maybe not irredeemably and not consciously wanting things worse for, for Aboriginal people. I agree with that. Yes. And whether, and, it, and again, it's also impossible to pick apart how much of this is misinformation. Did people go into the voting booth having some really set ideas about what this voice was and what was going on uh, that were completely uh, not true. I mean, obviously lots of people did have that. Like I, I know for a fact the mm. level of misinformation being on pre-poll, mm. I did some more pre-poll this past week and the no guy was extremely eccentric, shall we say, mm. and was handing out pens, right? They were handing out viros yeah. Yeah. with the implication that the AEC was going to cross out their vote. Um, we I mean- talked last week about the level of conspiracy thinking that invested in a lot of a lot of no voters. But 60% of Australians don't believe in those conspiracy theories, so something yeah. else is going on here. Well, even but but it's true, like that imported kind of conspiracism about uh, about voting, which is obviously just taken directly from the states and from the Stop the Steal campaign, and the idea that Trump won the like they've seen how well that's worked in America and been like, yeah, let's let's throw in a bit of that in Australia. Mm. We should. They, I'm sure at every opportunity, the conservative right will be trying to seed mistrust in the electoral system, um, it, like Jacinda Price, right, has come out and kind of just alluded vaguely to the idea of voter interference in remote Indigenous communities, uh, saying that there's, quote, there's a lot of manipulation from unions and from campaign volunteers um, who are, quote, who, quote, overpower vulnerable Aboriginal people. And it's like, what are you actually, like, you know, journalists tried to clarify this and and were saying, is it, is the the AEC involved? And then there was this, um, you know, interjection from, from Warren Mundine. Um, but yeah, like because because the no the no campaign also are still trying to push the idea that a lot of Aboriginal people don't want the voice. Right. But in reality, we already have seen in areas with over 50% Indigenous population, the yes one. Uh, it's mm. around 63%, the average yes vote in those areas. And so, yeah, they even have to try and undermine that by being like, oh, well, even where Indigenous people voted yes, 
it's actually there's something nefarious going on. Right. You can't even trust that. <laughs> yeah. And so, again, a broader structural class analysis of the situation. So when we've got this cost of living crisis, when material conditions are uh, worsening, when people feel precarious, at least I think we know that they are far more receptive to those kind of messages. Now, some people mm-hmm. are saying, oh, they never should have held this referendum during a cost of living crisis. I find it hard to get on board that analysis. It's like when yeah. it was announced, the government was riding high and the concept of the voice was riding high, right? Like That's, the, that's right. Like the political conditions for when Albanese got this shit going could not have been more favourable, yeah. you, you would have to say. Yeah. Obviously, things have gotten worse uh, economically in, in that time in which the yes-no campaign played out. And obviously, the yes campaign and yes supporters completely underestimated the amount of purchase mm-hmm. that both the official public-facing no campaign arguments would take and this insane undercurrent, you know, pushed by groups like Advance Australia and mm-hmm. Fair Australia, whatever the fuck they're called, how much purchase that would that would find. Even with, you know, lifelong Labor voters, lifelong mm-hmm. Labor voters who are doing extremely tough, who I guess were rejecting this particular part of the Labor platform in 2022 and particularly invested in it when it comes to, to getting a voice up um, and voted for Labor in the general election, but when it came to actually voting on this particular question, um, voted it down. You know? Yeah, and with the angle that the it, like the mainstream no campaign taking in the in the wake of this being that Australia has some that the no vote is a vote for concrete change, like it's a vote for actual material improvement, whereas the yes vote was for um, something symbolic, but you know simultaneously dangerous and scary. Yeah, the analysis analysis is that you know. The LNP went so hard against the voice because they see it as a vehicle to delegitimize and to kind of bring down a peg the Labor government mm. by, you know, making the voice, the referendum loss, a loss for Labor and a failure mm. for the Labor government. I'm curious whether you think that that is a valid calculation. Like, will it have been worth everything that they've poured into this? Like. Is it going to make it harder for Labor to win the next election, which is obviously what the LNP wants? Yeah, it's hard. I just want to acknowledge if you're watching this on YouTube, something weird is happening with the light in this room and I'm yeah, looking whiter all- than ever, which is really ironic for this incredible conversation. God. Sorry, everyone. Um, there was a ABC podcast that interviewed this referendum expert guy, like he follows referendum around the world and and sort of the political fallout of how they work. Mm. And he was saying that overwhelmingly governments that put forward referenda that fail do not go on to lose. And, in fact, oppositions that make, that had put a lot of political capital in fighting certain referenda, even if they win, that's in no way an indication they're going to win the next uh, election. I think from like internally within the Liberal Party, Dutton's probably, you know, cemented his position because he was not having a lot of wins and they were, dog shit and he was bad, I guess right. he's made a political calculation that at least to anybody who was, you know, the moderates, I suppose, within the Liberal Party who are not Dutton fans, they have to shut up for a long time. They've, they're going to be silenced because he put a, invested a lot in this campaign and it fucking paid off for him. Um, and how Labor responds to this and how they work it out is will, will be the deciding factor, obviously, as to, as to how 
yeah, what, what comes next, I suppose, and whether whether they can turn that into uh, can can neutralize that as any kind of political threat and carry on and be politically rewarded by moving on to other issues, I suppose, and telling other stories about issues facing people. They might be able to use that into some kind of advantage, but I wouldn't say it's like the death knell for the Albanese Labor government. Certainly, mm, yeah. What do you think about that? What do I think about yeah? Whether it will make it hard for Labor to so I I don't really think that, yeah, people who voted for Labor but then saw that they couldn't, you know, that under that government the referendum failed. I don't think that people see it as a as a failure of Labor or of Labor policy. Like, mm. um, no, I don't really think that it will lose Labor votes, but maybe it will. It, 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 what is going to be interesting is whether, as I guess some people who are searching for some sort of hope on the yes side are saying that, well, the, the networks and the, um, I guess the momentum that's been built in the lead up to the referendum, the people who've been organised can now be put to, to work fighting for justice mm. on lots of other progressive courses and, you know, for, for First Nations justice beyond the referendum. Fighting Labor governments and their criminal justice policies? Um, yeah, maybe. Who who can say? <laughs> um, <laughs> Again, like, a reminder, Labor in power across the country. And so, yeah, if we want to change things for First Nations justice right now, I, I'm sorry, they are, they're the fucking enemy yeah. right now. No? Well, it's true. I, I mean, obviously I agree with that. But yeah, it's like, will, is this an opportunity where we're like, oh, we've just built these, these groups of people who we can now um, mobilized to to fight for better, but I, I would be worried that people who for whom if this was their first experience of you know volunteering on a booth or just volunteering for political cause at, at all, mm. and to experience such a cross a crushing loss like this, that that might um, you know create more disenchantment than than motivation, mm. and hopefully that can be overcome. I think yes, that like increased disillusionment, increased anti politics and disengagement from from politics is perhaps the the greatest risk particularly for a left movement like the greens that relies on a, a movement of people and and volunteers who believe that they can fight for something and win mm. uh i guess that's why yes like i think it's always been important for us to recognize throughout this process that yes we we thought a, a yes vote would have been better than a no vote but it's not the be all and end all and you know we keep working regardless of of the results and like yes preparing for for what's next has always been i think very important yeah and that works both ways right like after the 2020 election we were awesome we were buzzed we felt good but it was like there's still mm. obviously <laughs> we didn't fix australia in the, in the following year we're still working on that <laughs> you know there's always yeah, there's always so much work to do can we also i mean again not to further demoralize people but an acknowledgement of how what this says about the left's, the broadly progressive forces in Australia and our ability to organise and, cha- and change things and change people's minds and speak to people. Mm. I mean, like, across the board, you, I mean, the, the amount of endorsement that this voice proposal had, the amount of organisations, public figures, um, the, the, the amount of, for lack of a better term, elite backing that the voice proposal well, had. Well, yeah, don't you think that was its downfall? Whether that whether the people like hated that, but I guess yes. I, I suppose the cumulative effect. What what would have normally been some version of, at least it had the appearance or the aesthetics of a social movement, right? True. 
that you would think that like, look, we've got the unions on board. We've got all these like, and not just celebrity, like annoying celebrities like me, you know, <laughs> not, not a celebrity or whatever, but like actually, actually like, like untouchable Paul Kelly, John Farnham, Kathy Freeman, you know, sporting stars across, across the board, like mass, like Patty Mills, you know, like people, like people who are universally beloved really across the show, as, as much as any celebrity is like seriously respected uh, for what they do overwhelmingly backing mm. in and being relatively vocal about being yes. Um, all of that just didn't, yeah. didn't do it. Right. Just but did I not have think- the ability to speak to people. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I do think that there's that, I think that the critique of the yes campaign that they, that it was a mistake to lead with that kind of elite endorsement strategy. Uh, I think that that's valid. I, I think perhaps well, I, like it does need, it needs to feel like it comes from the conversations that you're having with people at social events and just in your everyday life and at work right. and at school and whatever first. And I feel like those endorsements, you know, could have come in at the end to really cement that uh, this is, you know, this is where we're at as a society right now. Like I, I, isn't it, I, as I understand it, the yes campaign, basically that the, the team that finished the campaign was very different to the team that started it. And I think right. we saw that in the different campaigning styles. I think that a lot of people left, a lot of organizers left and there were new organizers brought on in the last month or so. Right. Well, I definitely remember there was a point in which the S campaign was saying we're not doing celebrity endorsements, right? We we yeah. want to center and put front and center the voices of First Nations people and ideally grassroots First Nations people and leaders of, of communities. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that was the strategy at some point. Mm. And then at some point they pulled the big lever that said celebrities, please, mm. which which is not is, is kind of understandable because, I mean, clearly a huge amount of this campaign was fought out online, right? And so finding people with massive reach yeah. and sending their message out there, the Briggs video that comes to mind, right, which hit 5 million views or something relatively quickly, I mean- Th- those we- things definitely had a, an impact in some way, and I completely understand why people campaigning in twenty twenty three want to, you know, need to um, fight that battle. But that wasn't as well. that video wasn't because Briggs was like, "Hi, I'm Briggs, and I support the Indigenous Voice to Parliament." Mm. It was just an interesting video. I think a lot of people probably who shared that video didn't even know who Briggs was. Right? They were just like, "Wow, what a great video." that, you know, depicts a conversation that I might be having with my friends at the pub. Like that actually to me is a sign that that is exactly the kind of campaign framing that was needed from the start, that it's like, you know, those conversations, yeah, that you're having with your networks. Mm-hmm. Um, here's here's a simple way to have those conversations. This answers the kind of questions that your friends might be asking you or that you might be asking your friends or asking yourself yep. in a very simple and just, you know, Based on a, um, you know, a, an even level, and uh, I can't think of the the term, but it's not talking down to anyone. Mm. It's not stratified. It's it's purely yet yeah, person to person, and that, as we have said a million times, and as I firmly believe, that is the most effective way to persuade anyone is just you know is face to face talking to them, human to human. Mm. Yeah. You've written down here international embarrassment. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah. Well, interestingly, even though, yeah, like I said, my brother was considering a no vote for various reasons, some valid, some I would say not so valid. Mm. But he was like, oh, I do think that, yeah, if we vote no, then the whole world's going to see us as a, a racist backwater. Mm. And 
it will look terrible for us. And I don't know if the referendum has had much international coverage and who knows, maybe it will maybe it will have less given that there are <clears throat> other things happening in the world. Yeah. Uh, but probably, yeah, some people will hear that Australians couldn't even do this most basic minimum thing that what we're the only, you know, only colonised country that doesn't have Indigenous people recognised in our constitution, right? Mm. And we couldn't even do that. And people will probably be like, oh, yeah, Australia, the little place full of racists. Mm. <laughs> I think that's another another point in the um, – this isn't even a critique. This is, this is simply an observation. But I, I suppose this mm. idea of recognition of First Nations people as being the first peoples of this country – in this proposal, as determined by the Uluru Statement from the Heart, again, I'm not saying this is bad or anything, but I'm saying the Uluru Statement from the Heart explicitly said that the form of recognition we're seeking is this practical body to be set up, recognised, mm. and then having this practical outcome of setting up the advisory body. Okay, now I completely understand why that's the case. I completely understand where First Nations people said, we don't just want a flowery preamble in the Constitution. We don't want you to just yeah. say, yes, you were here first. Who gives a shit? We, we yeah, want that to mean yeah, something. Yeah, moving on. Right, completely understandable. But I suppose it seems to me the way that that has manifested itself in this debate in that is that people can, and, and Dutton was talking about this all the time, happy with recognition. Recognition is fine. That's great. But this voice thing, no. So we're saying no to the voice. We're not saying no to recognition. So you, so, so the no campaign was actually able to um, pass those two things, I suppose, and sort of saying mm. that you've bundled these up together, which is what, again, the Uluru Statement from the Heart called for, completely understandable, completely justified. But I suppose they're able to present a reasonable case in that, hey, I'm I'm into recognition. I'm all you know, I want the best for First Nations people, but not like this, I suppose. But don't you think that either way the no campaign probably would have found a way to make even just recognition seem like something that was significant and unreasonable and something that people couldn't support? Like because they didn't need to attack that. That's not what the attacks were focused on. They focused on, you know, division and and the Chamber of Parliament or whatever. I think that equally, if it had just even been about recognition, which fuck, I would hope honestly that we wouldn't even bother with a referendum just for recognition with no uh, no concrete outcome. Like I think there's a very good reason probably that the Uluru Statement from the Heart didn't just didn't want that. Well, they tried in 99, right? So the other proposal yeah. in 99 was this preamble, okay? So, and that was yeah. completely meaningless um, recognition. Recognition, again, I, this is briefly the show, but like um, the, the statement originally said, we recognise Aboriginal people and their custodianship of their lands, okay? And then Howard didn't like that because custodianship implied too much of a legal relationship between Aboriginal yeah, people yeah, in their own country. Yeah. So he changed it to kinship with their lands because he's a, a cunt. fucking cringe. <laughs> fucking stupid. Yeah, I just think like I, I think it's, it's almost like <laughs> – Reverend are so hard because we have all this fucking time to think about this one really quite narrow, specific issue. And it's like we, we're always just going to overthink it. Honestly, like you have that long to think about anything and you, especially if you don't have a personal material interest in it, yeah. are going to think of a reason to be like, oh, no, just too much of a risk. Like, why would I, you know, why would I vote? Yes, uh, I don't know. It doesn't feel totally 100% to me. I've had months to to think of a couple of reasons, maybe not to, so why would I vote for it? I And I think that it's interesting that, yeah, the Australian 
in its coverage, particularly this morning. I don't know how long they've been using this framing, but I noticed that instead of reporting on yes versus no, they're reporting yes voters or the yes vote or yes campaign as um, those for change. And I, I think even just that rhetorical choice is really interesting. They're like, you know, XYZ electorates vote for change, Greens electorates vote for change, um, those who voted for change, because they really want to exploit that that inherent fear of change mm. that we all as humans have that can only be overcome if there is a significant, you know, benefit probably personally or at least to someone close to us uh, from it. Yes, and let's be real. For, for white Australia, the status quo has worked out in very broad strokes, at least when it comes to the colonisation, dispossession of the first peoples of this country, has worked out very well. Um, mm. I hope that doesn't sound too fucked up or brutal, but I'm like, that's that's the truth, right? Like, yeah, changing although, the status quo. But you know, if we're saying that that uh, poorer people, people who are struggling more from the cost of living crisis, poorer white people, less educated white people, mm. have voted no, you know, the status quo isn't necessarily working for them. Um, but they were like. This doesn't help me. Yeah, well, so. yes, I, I, the status quo in relationship in regards to white people's relationship to this country, as opposed to First mm. Nations people of this country, and what has happened in the history of colonization. That's yeah, what, yeah, know. they're like, well, hang on, I haven't even got, you know, my serv- someone's about to cut in line in front of me is almost the thinking. They're like, I still, you know, I haven't got my slice of the pie yet, and if there's anyone else here, when, when people are fucking desperate, it's true, like. Mm. You get selfish and you get mean and you get it's that's <laughs> uh, yeah that that certainly um, fosters that kind of uh, a lack of solidarity with humanity when people really are struggling to to survive. So maybe there is something to that that cost of living analysis, but again, we don't know. It'll be interesting. Maybe there will be some interesting exit polls. I, I don't know if there were many done mm. at at the booths, but. Yeah. Just have people with microphones as they walk out and say, are you a racist? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we can, yeah. we should just form a list and so then we know where they all are. You know? Hey, what are you listening to? How'd you vote? <laughs> 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 oh, um, all right. We, we, we can't uh, carry on too much longer, but uh, yeah. maybe just some. So are we just quickly, are we going to get the voice legislated anyway? Great question. I have no fucking idea. Um, I'll tell you who did briefly support that. Uh, Dutton, I, I, I understand. Yes, my understanding was at the, at the confer- press conference in which they announced that they would be voting no on this referendum, mm. they do support a voice. They do support regional Lydia. and local voices being legislated. I, my understanding is that that commitment has since been abandoned by the, by the coalition. And Albanese said pretty explicitly that if the voice is voted down, that his government will not pursue a legislated voice. Oh, Albanese has said that he won't. He said this on it, Insiders. Right. Now, Lydia Thorpe said that she would support a legislated voice. She then backtracked on that. And then she backtracked. This backtracked is so fucking that. confusing. Very confusing. And look, I have a, a skerrick of sympathy for Albanese in that interview. So this is this is the Sunday before the actual referendum day. Mm-hmm. So this is so if you want a yes vote mm-hmm. and you're you ask that question, yes, I why agree. say that you're gonna legislate the voice? It's hard to say. Yeah, you from a strategy of, point of view. Like yeah. it's like I, I understand why you would not put that out there because that yeah. was so more that. now whether he can backtrack on that now i mm-hmm. mean almost certainly not i suppose and i, I guess you would argue that the 
resounding result from the no vote would. Although you could also spin that to say, look, people didn't want it in the constitution, but they still want Aboriginal people to be, to, 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 they want to address Aboriginal outcome uh, disadvantage. And so we should legislate this voice. I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. I yeah. also don't know what the Greens position would be on that necessarily, whether we'd support the legislation. I guess we voice, probably would. Probably. Yeah. I, would, yeah. I would almost certainly say yes. Yeah. Um, so there's that question. Um, I mean, yes, as to as to what what now? I mean, uh, as you mentioned briefly, do you want to let people know about this this week of silence that's been called for by um, by First Nations leaders? Yes. So there was a statement that I now I believe that it's kind of a joint statement from a bunch of different organisations, including the Central Land Council, I believe in New South Wales and and Central Australian Aboriginal Contras, um, Congress. Sorry. New South Wales Land Council, Central Land Council, Central Australian Aboriginal Congress shared this statement calling for a week of silence, you know, rather than, and this is where I'm like, rather than, you know, picking apart and having your take on the the referendum, like we just spent a fucking episode doing, still don't know if that was the right decision. Hey, send us your angry messages if you want. I don't know. Uh, But yeah. Basically, this is white guilt. Are we do we stay silent? Do we stay silent in solidarity? Do we do the thing to talk about the thing to try and make mm. things better? I don't fucking know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We do a podcast every week, so that's what I've done. That's what white people do. We podcast. The world will be the world will be ending, and we'll be like, should we do the? Do we have? To, I don't know. If we don't <laughs> make the content, that's oh, people might be mad. The patrons <laughs> think of the, the patrons. Pay, yeah, people pay for this. I don't know. Uh yes, but I guess like maybe there is something to that in that it's like we probably could just chill for a bit and not, you know, bombard everyone with your takes unnecessarily and spend some time listening. And in terms of, you know, call to action this this week would probably be, yes, any um, way that you can support First Nations people even just by being a bit more gentle with First Nations people in your life and offering resources and there are, I guess, we can put maybe some links in the show notes um, to, to donate, probably pay the rent um, you donate to and worries of the Aboriginal resistance. Is there anyone else? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll put some links in the, in the show notes there. I mean, yeah, people, Indigenous Literacy, Literacy Foundation do fantastic work mm-hmm. as well. Um, I mean, yes, the pouring of love, solidarity and resources into the fights of First Nations justice need to be there. I mean, the statement announcing from the First Nations leaders and campaigners for The Voice, I saw it posted to Thomas Mayo's Instagram and, yeah, as you say, it's been it's been put out there a, a fair bit. It is about taking a week of mourning, like actually taking the yeah. time to just to, to, be, to be sad, to be okay with that and not have to pivot yeah. immediately to whatever's next. I think that's completely yeah. reasonable. And, and, and a... In that statement, I read a call to other First Nations peoples, particularly those say on the on the Black Sovereignty Movement, on the on the who advocated for a progressive no vote. You know, a call to say after this time of mourning, after this time of reflection, let's come back together, let's talk about what is what is next. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, and that morning, I think you mentioned is like yeah, flying the Abri- the um, Aboriginal flag at half mast. Yes, half mast. Yeah. Um, it said something like pack up the Uluru Statement from the heart or something. I, 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 I saw I don't, that. I don't yeah. know what it means by that specifically. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, so, you know, the, the the dream, the call, the desperate need for a treaty is still very much alive in the, the hearts mm-hmm. of all these people, I'm sure, and and the left and the First Nations Justice Movement, movement more broadly. I think that's important. I guess that's the thing, yeah, you know, a week of silence not, uh, not meaning to switch off, no. particularly... You know, maybe First Nations people might need a moment to 
to switch off. Mm. But I think for a lot of people, for for allies in particular, I would I would interpret that as not switching off, but sitting in it mm. for a bit, and then being ready to return and you know be at the next rally to end Black Deaths in custody and working for treaty mm. and you know justice sovereignty. Did you see the Noel Pearson quote from earlier in the week where he basically he kind of went, um, he was sort of, for lack of a better term, blackpilled at that, that point. Like he clearly, like this is about Tuesday or Wednesday. He had mm. clearly um, basically given up or was basically accepting the idea of, mm. of a no vote. The Prime Minister told Guardian Australia last month the referendum would have been worth it even if Australians reject the voice because it has brought Indigenous disadvantage front and centre in the national conversation. Asked if he agreed, Pearson said, we'll see. What I do know is I'll never be an advocate for conciliation and compromise again for trying to find a middle path. I'll follow the new leadership that will emerge. It will become time for a new leadership to chart a direction. What I'll never be able to argue for again is that a path based on recognition and reconciliation is viable. It won't be. We'll have gotten a very clear answer this weekend that those like me who've championed a middle path, our arguments have not been proven. They've been proven to be incorrect. Frankly, the voice is a proposal so pathetically understated that I'm amazed most Indigenous people are settling for it. After all, I helped design it as something so modest that no reasonable non-Indigenous Australian could reject it. More fool me. Honestly, I think that's one of the most, I think that's quite an honest and yeah, powerful, like persuasive statement. Uh, it's depressing, but I, I think it's true. I think yeah, it's. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not say that in the days before the vote. I guess sure. But but, but you, know. you know, yeah. Was there really a chance of of turning the ship around? Yeah. I, you know, we saw the yes campaign really pivot because they they surely if if you're a campaign, you have no choice other than to say don't give up yet there's still you know yeah. there's still hope for a yes vote we yeah. can do this that's your purpose as a campaign but i can absolutely understand why when it became clear that it wasn't going to be a yes vote uh that you just want to be honest about it and probably people like Noel Pearson are really fucking tired mm. and just want to drop you know just want to say exactly how it actually feels and from what i've seen yeah a lot of first nations people are just feeling so deeply hurt and so just like, okay, so you would, you know, Australia hates us mm. that much, you know, um, mistrusts us that much, has that much deep-seated kind of resentment and racism towards us. So fuck you. You couldn't even give us that. Mm. And that's a very valid feeling. It's it's a completely that yeah I don't want to instruct anyone about how to feel about this I think that response to this because embedded in that heartbreak and sadness is all the heartbreak and sadness of the way First Nations people have been treated in this country now and throughout our history so I completely understand it I I, I suppose just as a movement as people on the left like I I just want to put a warning on on a level of cynicism and nihilism around this stuff right like. I mean, this is like the the apology to the stolen generation. Two thousand eight was extremely popular. There, there there have been moments throughout our history in which I genuinely believe the vast majority of people in this country wanted good things, recognized the truth of our history, and are willing to do something about that. I, I do sincerely believe that. Um, I know that this result is a massive blow to that theory and that idea, but I guess I'm not willing to give up on that notion as yet. And I think yeah. I think if you are seriously going to come to that position, 
you need to do some deep thinking and and some consideration of the com- the implications of that. Um, I didn't, afterwards. yeah, because I don't necessarily take that statement that you just read as um, as an annihilate or as as a call to to give up. Mm. I kind of take it as a call to be more radical because you know if we're going to fight, why not fight for for something radical and for something big? And I think that's actually a good message mm. and one that is probably the most hopeful message that I can take away from this and one that's most consistent with my values and and how I try to live my political life. Mm. Okay, generally, finally, I just think we should say something about, you know, the Greens and where where we're at uh, as a party on this. There was an email put out by um, Adam and Dorinda Cox. Um, I'll just read the the start of this, really. Today's a very hard day. We wanted to reach out and share in the emotion of this moment. First and foremost, we want to acknowledge the many First Nations elders and activists across the country who have stayed strong and resilient in the fight for generations. You have led a national conversation this year that will change this country's future for the better. For those who are feeling a sense of loss, like us, we say to you, the pathway to First Nations justice does not end today. There are many ways to advance First Nations justice. This was one way. There are many within reach. There is a formidable strength here. And now as activists and allies, we cannot relent. We must use the momentum of this national conversation to recalibrate and recommit. And then it's sort of saying the referendum clearly showed, demonstrated the need for truth-telling across this country, which is kind of an interesting Mm. position, right? I mean... We spoke about that on the last episode, right? Right. Yes. Again, I, I don't. I haven't looked into too much what the truth and reconciliation process in South Africa was like, but it does seem like it was a pretty incredible cultural moment. Mm. Uh, I shudder to think the worst, the bad version of that in Australia, and how much more of a horrific history and culture war it could unleash. But if 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 it could be done in a in a powerful way, in a in a correct way, that that could actually help to mend and heal. And it's again, it's certainly what First yeah. Nations people called for in the Uluru Statement. So I think that's worth noting. Well, yeah, and it would be a long process. I can't remember how long, but like in Aotearoa, in New Zealand, Mm. um, I think their truth-telling process was, you know, took years. Mm. Um, And probably, as I understand it, people who are involved or or who uh, have reflected on that said that it probably could have or should have been longer. Mm. So that's that's interesting. I mean, quickly on that, just as a bit of, of sizzle, the other thing that the other heartbreaking fucking loss that's happening Right now, yeah. people are getting results on the New Zealand general election, and it mm. seems like new, like Labor has just really fucked it, yeah. really flopped. Their vote has like halved; like they had like fifty percent, and they're now in like mid twenties. Uh, the way it's tracking, it'll take a bit longer to get the full results. The way that their voting system works uh, looked like the Greens, you know, classic Greens sitting around ten percent. I don't know whether how that plays out in terms of seats lost or or won. Well, it looks like we've they've, they've won. They're uh, up four seats. Up they, four seats. Okay, isn't seats. that interesting? And so yes. that really that's that's an interesting um, reflection of kind of what we've seen in Australia. I so yes, as a heads up for listeners, we're very keen to talk about that election mm. and what the Greens did there and what it might mean for upcoming elections in this country. We're keen to get maybe someone from the New Zealand Greens. To come on the show, but that'll be next week, I would mm. say. Just also finally on this on this email, the Greens have already secured money in the last federal budget for a Makarata Commission, and we will be fighting to urgently advance truth and treaty. So that that is also something to keep in mind that you know that 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 process has started, mm. and obviously treaty processes are playing out at the state level across the country. Yes. 
I think the party will have to do some serious reflection and work. And we, again, we discussed at length about the First Nations Network position on The Voice last week. Mm. I also want to acknowledge the fact that we got some feedback from some people who really like our show who thought that last week's episode did not handle that particularly well, mm. didn't bring in a First Nations person to discuss it. Yeah. We could have maybe spent a bit more time explaining the First Nations Network's position. I think that's probably a fair enough criticism. Yeah. Um, and I think... Uh, I yes, think, Tom, I, even you were like, we should read out the whole statement. Well, and I, I was like, I don't know, maybe people don't want that and maybe because you hate so that's my people. bad. Sorry. I think that's what you said. I'm pretty uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's right. That's what I said at the time. <laughs> I don't want to verbal you. Uh, yeah. um, no, look, you know, this we're always trying to be better as a show. I think that's, that's totally fair enough. And I, I definitely think that at some point, you know, bringing in a, a First Nations member of the party to discuss on everything, reflect the whole thing would mm. be would be a valuable experience. But we appreciate people who like the show, stick with the show and still want to give us criticism and, and how they feel. We, yeah. we appreciate that and we want to get better as a show and we hope, you you know, that, that comes from a sincere place. Yeah. Um, so, yes, we'll put links for, um, you know, First Nations organisations that we think are worth supporting and reaching out to in the show notes in regards to call to action. Um, again, solidarity and love to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, whether you voted yes or no, however you, you know, mm. um, feel like, even if you were a progressive no voter, I'm, I'm guessing today is not an amazing day. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're sending you love and, uh, and thoughts and, um, and God, what else? This week sucks. Let's start again. Can it's we, bad. Can we start again, please? Can we wake, yeah, let's wake up. Yeah. Bad dreams. Thanks for watching, everybody, and listening. We love you. Things will Bye-bye. get better. They have to yeah. from here. We have to make it's it. Not, yeah, it's not hard to get, get better than this. <laughs> to, yeah, that's right. Bye. Bye. Serious Digital Australia.